According to the National Wellness Institute, there are seven domains of wellness, with one of them being spiritual wellness. Spiritual wellness is the search for and understanding of the meaning of life and finding purpose. Wellness Continuing offers spiritual tools and resources to better understand the meaning of life and your true nature. From a podcast on consciousness in the afterlife, to blog posts, as well as healing music with binaural beats and more. The ancient Chinese believed that the heart was the center of human cognition, and therefore the heart and the mind are one. Wellness Continuing. Elevate your heart-mind. Welcome to Life Continuing, conversations that explore consciousness, healing, and infinite existence. I'm Tanya Berg. Candace Sanderson's life changed in August of 2013. During a 10-minute drive to work, she began receiving messages from the world of spirit. She transformed from psychologist to psychic, from skeptic to believer, during that brief morning commute. Candace is the author of the award-winning books, The Reluctant Messenger and The Reluctant Messenger Returns, that chronicle her expedition across a vast expanse of universal consciousness. Listen now as Candace describes this transformation and what she has learned about the greater reality. Candace, welcome to the show. It's so lovely to have you here. It is great to be back, Tonya. Thank you so much for having me. I feel honored. So do I. And uh, you were on our Dreamtime Wisdom program with uh, Catherine Lundeen, and that was an amazing conversation. We only got to touch briefly on your work, but I really want to get into it today and hear your story. Um, you have an amazing story um, from the life you had before to the life you have now and some really wonderful insights that this journey has brought you. So um, let's let's start. Uh, tell me how did you become the reluctant messenger? Well, I think reluctant has always been part of who I am. I've always been kind of shy and, and reluctant. But the messenger part is what just exploded for me one morning. And I would have never thought, I would have never dreamed this in a lifetime. But I'm driving to work as a psychologist it was back in August. Uh, in fact, it was August 28, 2013. Early in the morning, out of the blue, I started channeling messages. Now, I, I never dreamed anything like this would happen because I had been a skeptic. My life revolved around science. Being a psychologist, if I couldn't measure something with my physical senses, in my world, it didn't exist. And if it did, that meant it was either wishful thinking or maybe it was even pathology. But all of a sudden, I am faced with this, air quotes, reality that I didn't know existed. So here I am driving and I get this beautiful message about a flower. I have it memorized, but I'm not going to say all of it to you, but I'm, I'm just going to give you the gist of it. It said, or they said, and again, air quotes, when you look at a flower, it's at its peak when it is open. And that a flower is a flower, so I could actually see in my mind's eye the word flower, and it was hyphenated. And they compared this flower, this flower, to humans. 
They said that a plant draws energy from deep within Mother Earth, and then it ascends toward Father Sky. Now, I didn't even use words like Father Sky back then. But they said when, when it's in this perfect alignment, it then produces a flower. They said that this is also true for humans, that when humans, if we allow our energy to flow, that we will open to this beautiful potential. And it ended with, let us all be flowers, hyphenated, of energy. It was crazy. First of all, I didn't know what was going on, so I just dismissed it. It's like, oh, I don't even know what this is. I knew it wasn't me because I didn't use that language. It was actually so beautiful and poetic. And it's like, no, it's not me. But I wished it had been because it was very creative. But I just dismissed it. Now, as a psychologist, there's that denial that comes in. Anytime we're presented with something that we're not comfortable with or we don't want to deal with it, oh, you just forget it. It's easy. So I decided I needed to focus on getting to work. This is a short drive, 10, 12 minutes to work. And I'm an hour early, which is on time for me. If I ever showed up anywhere on time, it would be late. So it's like, okay, let's just, let's forget this. Let's just get to work. Well, now, Tanya, I can actually laugh because I know my messengers and guides so well. I didn't then. This was my first introduction to them. But I can see them. They're, I can see them just like huddled in the background saying, she didn't get it. She didn't get it. What do we do? And yeah, I know exactly what they did. They said, send in the tree. Okay. So I get to work. I'm, you know, pull into the empty parking lot. I grab my stuff. I'm headed toward the building when something stops me. Yep, it was a tree. I looked to my right and there was this beautiful Royal Poinciana tree. Now, I passed this tree a hundred times before, but it was different this time. It called to me. Now, Tanya, do you know what um, a royal poinciana tree is? I don't. Okay, it's it's a subtropical tree. It's beautiful. This one has beautiful red-orange blossoms that look like orchids. And the leaves of the royal poinciana look like ferns. They're just very, very intricate and lacy and delicate. And it has this huge gnarly trunk that just spreads out. And it created this beautiful canopy. It was absolutely magnificent. The sun was just now starting to come up. And there were these beams of light that were filtering through these leaves. And I'm looking at it. I'm sure my mouth was just dropped open. But there was this gorgeous pattern of light and shadow just dancing on the ground. And I stood there absolutely in awe. I mean, this was a mystical experience. And I realized I was not alone. And that this tree, this tree that I've passed a hundred times before, was not just a tree. It was a sentient being. It was every bit as much alive as I was. So I stood there and 
this is what happens. I didn't know at the time, but in, in a lot of mystical experiences, time stopped. I can't tell you whether I was there two minutes or five hours. There was no sense of time at all. And I was just, I was suspended in this other dimensional space that I did not know existed. But at the same time, Tanya, I felt more alive than I had ever felt in my life. And then all of a sudden, my focus shifted to this one tiny bud, this blossom that had not opened yet. And all I could think of was, oh my gosh, the message I had just gotten, let us all be flowers of energy. So that denial that had set in, that didn't want me to think about this experience with the voice that came in and gave me this beautiful message, it was gone. So on some really deep, but I hadn't yet discovered what level it was, I knew I had been guided to that tree to see that unopened bud. And I knew that it represented me. It, it represented you. It represents all of us. We are those flowers, those flowers of energy, just waiting to bloom. So after a few moments, or it could have been years, I went inside the building, not knowing at that time what had happened, and not knowing how that would change me for the rest of my life, because I had just taken my first steps into the unseen world of spirit, and I would never be the same. I'm still not the same. It's just been just an unbelievable new life path for me. It's uh, the inner knowing, right? I mean, it's very hard to demonstrate. You did a great job in describing your experience, but there's such a difference between hearing about the experience and then having experienced it. Um, oh my gosh, yes. Right. So so that's where the accompanying knowing comes in to validate that experience for yourself, at least. At this time, I had, there was nothing called inner knowing for me. Because if I couldn't measure it with my physical senses, I ignored it. Over time, I learned that there, that this was a true connection. And that's when that inner knowing, I allowed that light to shine. I mean, what first happened is I stepped back into something that was comfortable. My training, my clinical training as a psychologist. So I became the objective observer. It's like, I'm not going to judge what's going on in these extraordinary states Instead, I'm going to just observe and then document. And after a while, I had pages and hundreds of pages of these typed notes of my communications. Well, let me back up a little bit. I got into this routine during that 10 or 12 minute drive to work every morning, no cars on the road. I'm concentrating on my driving, yet... I'm open enough to receive information. And I started getting more messages, just like that first one. It, it wasn't anything that I would hear, but the words were so specific that it was, it was as if the messengers were dictating this. 
I would get in my car, pick up my iPhone, hit record when I would crank the engine and the messages would just come. And it was it was wonderful because I sat back and observed and part of me's, you know, paying attention to the driving, but they would tell me when to start a new paragraph. They would they would say, you know, how to end each sentence. If I made a mistake, Tanya, they would say, strike that, and they would give me the correct wording. So I just sat back, didn't judge one way or the other. I didn't say, oh, this is great, I'm channeling, nor did I say, this is so weird, I don't know what it is. I just allowed it to happen. So I was actually, without realizing it at the time, living by that first message, becoming a flower of energy, allowing it to flow. And then within a couple months, I had so much information. I would come home every night and I would transcribe my uh, dictation. And I had hundreds of pages and a lot of things, you know, things I'd never heard about, I could research and I found they were true. So it didn't take long for me to realize that this was not a fugue state. This was not something that was pathological. That's that psychologist in me coming out. But this was something that was divine and um, was just was just pure. And I absolutely, absolutely loved it. No doubt. Um, describe the term channeling, because I think people have misunderstandings about it. What does that mean to be a channeler or channeling messages? Well, you've got to realize this was all brand new to me. I didn't ever use the, the term channeler or channeling until someone said, oh, Candace, that's what you're doing. I said, oh, it is. But what I'm doing is, is I am actually allowing my heart to open. And as it opens, I start receiving subtle information from the non-physical realms. And I interpret that information. Now, in, in my words, I will use my words, but it's their language, but I will use my words. Some people are trans channelers where they actually allow um, the non-physical to use their body and channel through them. That does not happen with me. I am perfectly alert. Um, I mean, obviously alert enough to be driving to work each morning as I do this, but I've I've opened to become a channel to that source. The messengers, and I have all sorts of messengers. I don't have just one, but they told me that when you connect to them, to a non-physical source, it's like, um, well, they, they gave me this beautiful vision there was a wheat field at night and you could just see the wheat just gently, you know, in the breeze blowing. There's a great big harvest moon. And I saw these footsteps, not a person, but just footsteps crossing the field. And as it crossed the field, you could see where they had been because the stalks of wheat bent down. And they said that when you connect to the other side or to that non-physical source, it's like you're walking through this field of wheat. But once you connect, you can always find your way back. And I think they said that because I was new and, and maybe if I had some fears about what if I can't <laughs> get back in my body, which obviously you can. 
But each time that you connect to them, you start developing an actual channel. There are uh, electromagnetic markers that are set down. And the more you do that, the wider the channel becomes. So in that sense, the, uh, the vision actually showed me a channel of information, a channel that allowed the information to flow back and forth from them. So is that to say then we all have that ability, it's just a matter of opening that channel? Absolutely. I mean, my first book is The Reluctant Messenger, and the subtitle is An Ordinary Person's Extraordinary Journey into the Unknown. Because if this could happen to me, it could happen with anybody. I was not interested, well, I was kind of interested in some of these um, topics like ESP. My mother was very intuitive, but I was not interested in becoming a medium or a channeler. I didn't really even know if, if they existed. Is that made up information? So I had no desire to do this. And if I opened, then yes, it could happen to anyone. Now, I realize now in retrospect, with me being a psychologist, I had that training to step back and just allow it to happen. Again, going back to that first message, allow the information to flow and then judge it later. So yes, uh, opening and tuning into the, the finer, more subtler energies of the non-physical, anyone can do that. And a good place to start, of course, is in your dreams, paying attention to your dreams as well, you know. Yes, indeed. We definitely had that discussion uh, in our, our episode at Dreamtime Wisdom, and that was really enlightening. I love how that is uh, in addition to all of the experiences you've had and how you can use your dreams as a tool. Tell me then, all this information that you were channeling, uh, eventually that was put into your book series. Talk about how that came to be. Well, first of all, I, I'm a psychologist. I'm not an author, or so I thought. But the messengers one day in one of the messages talked about the book you will write. And it's like, what? You're not asking. You're saying I will write a book. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not. But then I realized, um, again, if this could happen to me, maybe I have some information that could help other people. And the messenger said that they would help me with it. And they did. So it's like, okay, now I've got to write a book. So I wrote the first book, which is The Reluctant Messenger. And it, it talks about quite a few of the different messengers that, that I've had. Like, for example, there's one chapter called Ascended Masters. And someone came to me named Quan Yin. Well, a lot of people know who Quan Yin is. I had never heard of her. She is like the Buddhist counterpart to Mother Mary. But this, her name was completely foreign to me. But I took the information down. I looked it up later. And it, I gosh, what? There really is someone named Quan Yin. But anyway, the first book gives kind of a broad stroke to all the messages and messengers I've talked with. The second book is The Reluctant Messenger Returns. And that's much more specific to the angels that I've had connections with. Um, then I started another series, 
It's called From the Reluctant Messenger, and there's actually five books. But the first four books are taken from The Reluctant Messenger. I've taken just some chapters, and I've expanded on them. I've updated the material. But then something else happened. I have a fifth book that I put out recently called, it's From the Reluctant Messenger, Close Encounters. Now, <laughs> this took me back to where I was when I first channeled, how my mouth just dropped open as I stepped into this new realm and I'm floundering. It's like, I don't know what to do with this. This is not something I wanted to do, not something I was really interested in doing, but it's happened to me. So what do I do? Well, um, this last book, and is it okay if I talk about this now? If, Absolutely, yes. Okay. Yes. Close Encounters. First of all, all, all five books in, in this series are just ebooks. They're going to be in paperback and hardback next year in 2023. And they're short, they're, and they're cheap, like $3. But when this experience happened to me, I froze. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't, I, I thought about not telling anyone about it. And then I realized that's, I can't do that because this is something that happened to me and it is my truth. People can believe it or they can choose not to believe it. That's okay. I'm not here to convince anyone about anything. But in the book, I talk about being at a meditation center in the mountains of Virginia. For those who have followed me on YouTube or read my books, it doesn't take much to guess where I was. I was at the Monroe Institute in Charlottesville, Virginia. They had a brand new program called NDE, Near-Death Experience, NDE Spectrum. And this was the first program of it. And the class, on first glance, it's like, this has nothing to do with ETs or close encounters. Now, Monroe Institute is, is worldwide you know, no, they're known for helping people have out-of-body experiences. In the NDE spectrum, we would be experiencing as a participant those areas in the non-physical realms where people go when they have an NDE. So in retrospect, it's like, okay, I'm in that kind of area that's just beyond the physical. So maybe this was a perfect time and place for what happened to me. Now, for those who don't know about Monroe, they use something that's called Monroe Sound Science. It's a combination, it's all sound-based technology. They have binaural beats layered with other technology. But what's so great about this is as a participant, you don't do anything. You put on headphones, you kick back, and you just listen. That's it. The sound frequencies carry you where you need to go. You know, it's a lazy person's way to meditate. It's it's wonderful. I love it. <laughs> you know, I, you know, you know. When, I mean, I hear so many people say, oh, "I don't have the time to meditate." Yeah, you do. With Monroe, they have an app called the Expand app, and, and you can get a, even a free version of it. 
just put on your headphones, lay down, and push go, <laughs> push play. You, you know, it does it for you. But we were in the first full day of the program, and we were having what's called a free flow exercise. And what that means is there's no verbal guidance to tell us what to do or where to go. I just laid back, started relaxing, and as usual, I start channeling messages. Great, I get my phone and I hit record, and it starts off, quote, normal for me. It's beautiful, it's poetic, and it was like everything is energy, and it's the breath of a flower as she whispers in the wind, or the current of an eagle as she glides through the sky. I mean, it's just gorgeous, you know, stuff I wish I could have made up. And then, boom, it changed. Now, not just the wording, but Tanya, it's, it's the energy. It's something that you like, mm, you feel it with your gut. Something's different. And I even <gasps> gasp at the change. And then I heard this statement. I'll never forget it. And, and it was in almost a robotic voice. All sensors are open and prepared for you to receive the data from other sources. And I'm thinking, what in the heck is this? But I knew it was a new messenger. So, okay, let's just, let's not judge it. Let's just see what happens. So now I'm the observer observing me in this meditative state. I'm recording it so I don't have to remember it and I'll have a record of what's going on in real time. The next thing is I slipped into this the only way I can describe it is a personal or a small flying machine. It was a personal aircraft that was molded to me, to my physical form. I mean, imagine um, back when I lived in Kentucky and it used to get cold, I had this pair of beautiful soft leather gloves. So imagine slipping on a beautiful tight glove. It's tight, but it's a comfortable fit. It's made just for you. Then all of a sudden, there's this electrical current that's coming from the aircraft. And I can literally see it in my mind's eye, pouring through my cells. And then I would see these sparks that would flicker and sputter, like if you have an electrical short. And have you ever, I shouldn't tell on myself, but sometimes I'll plug in the wrong you know, device into something and you fry fry it. Sure. Okay. If you've ever fried one of your, you know, electronic devices, you have this ozone smell. It's like, that's not good. I actually smelled that. Wow. And then my, my physical body just melted. Of course, this is my energy body. It melted and actually liquefied into the skin of the machine. There were no boundaries. I was the machine. And then the messengers started talking and they said several things. But what really caught my attention was we are from a galactic council of light. And they said they were adjusting my frequencies so they could better communicate with me. Okay. Now, as they're adjusting my frequencies, they're doing this all through energy. And I'm very energy sensitive now these days. In fact, 
I view the world through the lens of energy, which makes more sense than using your physical senses. But I want you to pay attention to what I'm going to describe. I am lying at, on my back. My arms are at my side. And all of a sudden, two humongous waves of energy rush through me at the same time. One begins at my shoulders, the other at my hips. They burst through my arms and legs and they shoot out my hands and my feet. Now, I did not see this in real time, but weeks later when I got home and transcribed my dictation, I realized what this was. And this is the benefit why I'll record why I experience. I don't have to analyze it. I don't have to remember anything. I'm fully immersed in the experience and the time to make sense comes later. So remember, my body was molded to a personal aircraft and that tremendous power shooting down my limbs, out my hands and feet. Oh my gosh, I had just become like a rocket and I was launching into another dimension. And if I had not recorded this, I would not have remembered that and I would have never made that connection. The next thing that happens, oh, and I've still, I've got to say this, I've had too much coffee today, but <laughs> I've, I've got to say this. You know, as a psychologist, there's still that part of me that thinks, Candace, what's going on here? This is sounds crazy. And I'm sure it does sound crazy to some people, and that's okay. But this was an experience that I had, and it was very, very real. So once I'm this rocket, I land in this place that looks like it's a scene out of a sci-fi movie. There's like this mist going around, and then the mist starts to dissipate, and then my heart starts pounding. Because as I'm lying down, there are four shapes, four humanoid shapes standing by me, two on each side. Now, I know your listeners don't know me, but let me clarify. I am not interested in UFOs. Or once, what's, you know, what I've now learned are called UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. I'm not interested in hanging out with aliens. I had zero desire to do this. In fact, I have felt hesitant about this subject, maybe a little fearful. It's not for me. Now, having that hesitancy only adds for me personally a layer of credibility because I knew I was not making this up. Far from it. I would have never made this up. But I started scanning the bodies next to me. And as I dictated what I saw, green skin, thin bodies, no discernible nails on the rounded tips of their long fingers, large heads resting on slender necks, no mouth. They had like gill-like features on the sides of their head. And then they had those dark almond-shaped eyes with no pupils. It was crazy. The next thing, listen, if you need to talk, just interrupt me. because It's <laughs> okay. No, phone. keep, okay. this is okay. good. This is good okay. stuff. Okay. <laughs> the next thing I know, these beings are swaying slowly back and forth while keeping their eyes on me. 
And I'm thinking, what is going on? And then with no warning, all of a sudden, I raise my arms above my head. And I start weaving back and forth, too, just like them. And then I realized, okay, well, I didn't realize then, but it's like, okay, they're communicating with me to follow their movements. And then I thought, why am I doing this? This is crazy. Once again, another aha moment when I got home and I transcribed this. Think about it. When I raise my arms and start wiggling back and forth, oh my gosh, I was extracting myself like a butterfly from a chrysalis from that personal aircraft that had blended with my body, that had shot into space like a rocket. It was like the real me, not just my energy body, but even smaller than that, the real me slipping from a cocoon. So now that I was out of my shell, I could communicate with these beings much more directly. It was telepathic, but I could understand them much better. But, you know, it again, it's not judging as it happens. Observe it. That paid off later. But the beings told me to relax and to breathe deeply. And first of all, I wasn't freaked out. I was not scared, which is just hard for me to believe I wasn't. But they told me to relax, and I did. And when I did, I found myself in this beautiful, timeless void. And I began spinning in this vortex of energy. I was spinning up and up and up. And I finally spun out of the top of the vortex. And those four beings were still next to me. The communication was even clearer. And they told me that I could call them the Galactic Eight. All right, slight problem here. <laughs> there were two on each side. That's four. So as I was thinking that, they immediately said there are also two at your feet and two at your head. I was lying flat. I didn't see them. And they said that they were there to protect my body and to ensure my safety. And I knew, now at this time, I do know what inner knowing is, because this is several years after it started, but I knew that these were wise beings and that they had tremendous knowledge. But who were they? I mean, are they actually beings, little green men from a distant galaxy? Maybe. Could they be us in the future? Maybe. But I knew they were highly sophisticated specialists. I, I looked around and I realized there were more of them. There was a group of them watching from a platform that was a little higher than us. Behind that, I saw a paneled wall. And I think that's where maybe the ship's instruments were. But I realized, oh, that's the Council of Light who had introduced themselves with the first message. In fact, I, I just said, who is that? And they said, the Council of Light. I had forgotten until I, I read my notes, until I you know, transcribed them, that that first message said, we are from a Galactic Council of Light. But the Galactic Eight 
began to examine me with my permission. <sighs> deep breaths. They kept telling me to take deep breaths. Now, I know that relaxed me, but they also said that they were gleaning biologic data from my breath for each time I would exhale. So while I'm laying there and they're doing that, all of a sudden, the four that I could see look away from me and they'd look up in the air. I looked to see where their gaze was and I saw an emerald green dot floating in midair. Now, Tanya, a lot of this is happening through my energy body. A lot of this is happening in that meditative state. But I saw this with my physical eyes. I watched that dot as it came closer. And then it landed in the small of my neck. That I think that's the jugular notch. And only then did I realize it was a laser. And that laser ran down my body, the center of my chest, and stopped at my pubic bone. This sounds absolutely terrifying, but it wasn't. These beings were curious about me. They were exploring, but it also, I don't know, felt, felt sacred. It felt respectful. And then, after a while, more things happen. Another green laser comes from the ceiling, and this time it moves horizontally across my body, right at my shoulders. And so where the two lasers met, I saw and felt a green glowing ember. It was like a green beating heart, which is interesting because if you look at the chakras, green is the color of the heart chakra that I didn't realize till later. But then, they told me that this was a homing beacon and that they could find me and I could locate them using this beacon. Within a few minutes, everything like just started to fade. And then I found myself, as the meditation ended, back in my bed at Monroe Institute. Wow, it was, it was That's crazy. That's incredible. That's an incredible story. Now, this season on, on the show here, we're actually talking about cosmic cultures with oh. a few people. So it's all it's all perfectly orchestrated. What have you gleaned then since then? Because this was only this past year that this happened. Yes, it, it was it was May first of this year, uh, 2022. Wow. Well, once I got home, um oh, but wait, before I got home, let me tell you what happened a couple days later. Sure. Um, you know, at Monroe, you sleep in a in a single size bed, and uh, your headphones are close by because you you do all of your exercises. You know, just laying down in that bed with your headphones on. One morning, a little before four, I had rolled over on my headphones, and I, I it was so um, well, yeah, painful, very uncomfortable, but it was like right above my left hip and right below my left rib cage. And so I, I sit up and to grab the headphones, to put them back on the shelf. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now I'm awake. 
Instead of finding headphones, I saw with my physical eyes three long, bony, green fingers withdrawing from my body. It was not headphones. And I, think of this. This is what woke me up, the physical discomfort of lying on something. And I immediately knew what happened. I had been with the Galactic Eight, most likely on their craft, and they were returning me to the comfort of my bed. Now, I popped up out of bed, you know, it's like, well, we're not going to sleep after that, you know, <laughs> no. I have not yet remembered what happened. Maybe I will one day, maybe it's still ongoing, but, um, I, you know, I'm trying to make sense of this. But once I got home and I started analyzing all the information that I had and transcribing things, I started getting more information. First of all, why did this freak me out so much? Aliens. In, in my book, my first book, I have a whole chapter called Cosmic Contacts where I'm communicating with star beings, but they never showed themselves to me. And I thought, maybe that's who these people are. These, maybe th that's who these are. <laughs> I don't know, aliens, I guess. They're alien to me. And then I, I, I just asked the messengers. And they said, yes, they are part of your group of messengers. But only now was I able to have this type of interaction with them. I thought, wow. I had a dream that I want to share with you. In the dream, and it was a very lucid dream, the council, the, the Galactic Eight were with me, and they turned their backs to me. And then they started unzipping the backs of their heads all the way down to like their shoulder blades. And it peeled away. And what I saw was like just a cluster or a pile of skeletal structures. And then it's like, oh my gosh, this was another aha moment. That's what they really look like. I realized that green skin and those almond-shaped eyes with no pupils, those were spacesuits that allowed them to function in that interdimensional space where we were. And, you know, I have not... When I have an experience on with something that's new, I don't go and research it because I don't want the research to taint any kind of experience that I might have in the future. So I have yet to watch any movies, uh, read any books, read other people's encounters because I still want to keep mine pure until I'm at the point where I can actually start to, to research and find you know, find more information. I think that's really wise because we want the validation too. We can certainly validate and say, well, I've never heard of this. I don't know about this. Um, you'll find information that you can verify if you do research it after the fact. So that's really important. But again, a little bit more difficult to, to validate and demonstrate, say, publicly because you know, there's always the idea that the subconscious might have been exposed to something or heard something, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. that that's okay. We know we know we can validate our experience, at least for ourselves. So I'd right. wanted to just say, just in closing, um, just to wrap things up, 
there's this idea that the earth is um, moving into a new, like a fifth dimension. Yeah. Okay. So, and I, I feel, or sorry, I don't feel, I, I hear all the time that part of that is encounters with the cosmic cultures are becoming more frequent, or at least people are talking about it more. I don't know which one is which, but maybe it's more frequent, but I know that people are opening up spiritually, their gifts are opening up, et cetera. And that's supposed to be our moving our uh, integration from the 3D to the 5D. So can you talk about that? Sure. That makes perfect sense to me. When I um, published, when I was getting ready to publish my second book, The Reluctant Messenger Returns, I had an aha moment uh, along with some messages where the messengers started telling me about this transition that Earth is going through. And now, as I go back and look at some of my very early messages, they've been telling me this all along. I just didn't get it. But even starting with things like like the pandemic, there are things that take us out of our comfort zone, but they're an opportunity to learn and to grow. And that Earth is transitioning to a higher vibrational frequency And Gaia, the spirit of Mother Earth, is taking us along with her. And she had a choice whether to do that or not. But as we transition to these higher vibrational frequencies, people like me are opening up. I would have never in my life dreamed that I could, you know, channel messages. And it it makes sense that having this newer connection with... um, UAPs, that's part of it too. They're in the, according to us, they're in a non-physical realm, but it doesn't mean they're not real. And it, it makes perfect sense when I hear you say more and more people are becoming aware of them. I mean, that includes me. It's like, oh my gosh, I would have never dreamed that. But yes, this is part of the transition of us, of humanity, along with our beautiful earth to higher vibrational dimensions. It's beautiful. It's very beautiful. And I'm thrilled to see how this progresses. And the it's stories like yours that, you know, give me hope. And I hope it gives a listener some hope as well of, of a positive evolution for all of us. Um, your books, I'm really excited to share this with the audience. Well written. And um, I love the stories in them. There's a lot more stories. So this is just the tip of the iceberg. I really encourage everybody to go to Amazon, correct? They can yes. get on Amazon. Is it in audio form, audio book format? The, the first two books are in audio. The, the shorter books um, the from the Reluctant Messenger series is not in audible, but the first two are. Great. Yeah. A lot of people are moving towards audiobooks uh, when they're driving or just when they're relaxing. So it's a great way to uh, take in these wonderful stories. And uh, what's your website? Where can we contact you and find more information about you? You can just check my my website is Candice with an I-C-A-N-D-I-C-E, CandiceSanderson.com. And there you can find links to all of my social media, my YouTube channels and probably more than what you want to know about me. <laughs> I can find it there. <laughs> it's great because you're everywhere. You're really hitting all the platforms and putting your message out there. And I think that's that's the way to go these days. That's how you have to do it. So it's really nice to see you out there. It's so lovely to have met you, to know you, and to have you on the show, on our shows twice now. Oh, um, and you. I... 
please, I want you to come back because it sounds like there's just more opening up for you. And I'm curious to see what happens down the road. So um, you're definitely a returning guest if you accept. Oh, great. I'd love to. <laughs> and in fact, where did we meet? I think we met on LinkedIn. So yes. We, yeah. yeah. Yep. So those social media contacts are important. They I'd are. love to come back. Thank you. Thank you very much, Candice. Thanks for listening to Life Continuing. A special thanks to Candace Sanderson. For more on Candace and to buy her books, go to CandaceSanderson.com. The advisor to the show is Amanda Capito. The music for this podcast was composed by Richard Farron. I'm your host, Tanya Berg. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow on Instagram at Life Continuing Podcast. And do join me next time where we'll continue this conversation about life continuing.